I'm Sean Taylor. I'm Jim White. And you are tuned into the In Competition Film Podcast. Welcome to edition two, where today we're going to talk about uh, Sundance, Berlin, the César nominations, the Oscar nominations, and finally, how you can get involved in our next show. Thank you so much um, for the great feedback to our first episode of the show. It was lovely to hear so much um, support for, I guess, a truly independent podcast. Yes, it's uh, kind of beyond our dreams, the, uh, the number of uh, pieces of positive feedback we've had and, and, and congratulations from people wide uh, around the world even. So really, really lovely surprise for us. And just wanted to remind, if you do want to contact us, um, we do have an email in competitionfilm at gmail.com. So we welcome your feedback and thoughts on how things are going. That we do. So first of all, Sundance. The uh, 2024 Sundance Film Festival has now concluded. Um, it took place across late January in Park City, Utah. Um, and this was an interesting year for the festival. Um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, it went uh, a hybrid of in-person and virtual for a few years, but um, they've gradually been shifting back to more of just uh, an in-person festival. Um, which has been interesting to, to hear about because uh, the festival's quite expensive to go to. Um, of course, it's in a very snowy city, unlike where we're broadcasting from today. Um, but we have the awards to discuss. Yeah, 2024 was the 40th edition of Sundance and they had 90 feature films and 60 shorts. Um, for those listeners who may not know a lot about Sundance, they've really had a long history of showcasing work of emerging established directors, including Australian directors. Like last year we had Shader uh, won an audience award, which was exciting. In the past, films like Animal Kingdom, uh, 52 Tuesdays, Harvey Crumford all had their launch at, um, at Sundance. And last year, Talk To Me had its um, international premiere at the festival. Yeah, and that turned into an extraordinary success worldwide. Um, but other films like The Babadook, a number of years back, uh, Jennifer Kent's film, Warwick Thornton's Sweet Country, uh, great launching pad for a lot of Aussie films. In fact, this year there was an Australian documentary uh, in the competition called Every Little Thing, uh, directed by Sally Aitken, and it's, a, I believe, a documentary about a woman who cares for injured hummingbirds. So that's uh, certainly uh, a niche a Sundance topic. <laughs> Over the 40 years of Sundance, though, there's some of my favourite films have launched there, like Blood Simple in 1985 for the Coen brothers and... Um, Boyhood, Richard Linklater's film in 2014, uh, Nolan's Memento in 2001, Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs in 92, Whiplash 2014. These are all films I love and they all got launched here at Sundance. And even if we look back at last year, Past Lives. Absolutely, yeah. Another, well, featured in, featured in our top tens from our last edition. So um, we're going to talk, uh, although we haven't seen any of the films uh, screened at Sundance yet, haven't had that opportunity yet, hopefully later in the year we will, just talk a little bit about who won, uh, who was up for awards, who actually won, and they, they break up their uh, awards into a number of categories. They have the US Dramatic Competition. Um, this year there were films there from, uh, from uh, Sean Wang and Nathan Silva, even Jesse Eisenberg, uh, who is the actor and turned director, he has a film I want to talk about shortly. His second feature. His second feature, indeed. Um, there was a World Cinema Dramatic Competition as well. 
Um, so there were films there from Austria, Brazil, Iran, Norway, really good spread there. The US documentary competition and as well uh, the world documentary competition. So um, lots and lots of uh, categories of films there. So um, I suppose we we'll, might, might start with who won some of the awards and the World Documentary Competition Award Jury Prize went to a film called A New Kind of Wilderness. Um, the Hollywood Reporter said that this is a documentary that spends time with a Norwegian family after the death of their, of their matriarch. Um, they leave a, a sustainable life on a small farm and uh, the mother's photography was the family's only source of income and when she dies from cancer they can't afford to remain on the farm and the documentary follows them as they reevaluate how they can't hold on to some of their values their mother cherished as they have to move on to a kind of new normal. Um, I think that sounds like something yeah, I'd like to see. It's a very gripping documentary. Yeah. So. And documentaries from Sundance typically do very well uh, later on down the track with the Oscars at uh, other international film festivals. Yep, yep, that's right. So, And also... Um, the Dramatic Competition Jury Prize went to a film called Sujo. I'm assuming it's pronounced Sujo. It's, uh, it won for narrative feature. It's about a four-year-old orphan who may find it impossible to escape a future working for a drug cartel. It examines the aftermath of cartel violence and reflects on how cycles are formed and also how they can be broken. So, again, that sounds like something I will be wanting to watch, hopefully at Sydney or Melbourne Film Festivals this year. <laughs> Definitely. There is the US Documentary Competition. They give a grand jury prize, and this is an interesting one. Um, Porcelain War won that film prize. Uh, it's a portrait of artists turned soldiers in the Ukraine conflict and the difficulty and necessity of producing art in times of conflict. So um, very, very topical, and it sounds like quite an emotional um, story, that one, Porcelain War. And the final uh, prize they gave out for the US Dramatic Competition, which I guess is the one they kind of, it's almost they treat as their palm door, I suppose. It's called In the Summers. It's from a writer-director called Alessandra Lacarazza Samudio. It's uh, a story of on a journey that spans the formative years of lives. Two sisters navigate their loving but volatile father during yearly summer visits to their home in New Mexico. It's also won the a directing award as well. Yes, yeah. it did. Um, they issue... I guess it's sort of a, an award that's all-encompassing. Um, so, yeah, the US Dramatic Directing Award went to In the Summers. Now, um, as I said, we haven't seen any of these films, but I think Sean and I would probably really like to just talk about the ones that are on our radar after uh, reading and, and hearing about these films. Not necessarily the award winners, but other ones that were in competition there. Um, the one I'm immediately drawn to, and this probably says a lot about my taste in films, is Jesse Eisenberg's film A Real Pain, um, I'll just uh, give you a summary that the LA Times provided for this film. Um, Kieran Culkin, who uh, some of you or many of you will know from Succession, uh, plays Benji, uh, who is <laughs> described as a filter-free loudmouth, so I think this is probably playing to his strengths as an actor. Um, and he often annoys his milder-mannered cousin, again, played by Jesse Eisenberg, uh, again, probably fits into his uh, wheelhouse quite well. They travel around Poland with a tour group, the two brothers, and um, they're retracing their Jewish ancestral footsteps. They visit cemeteries, war memorials, and eventually a concentration camp. And they say this is where the, the, the title A Real Pain has like its second layer of meaning, um, faced with the horrors of their history and their, their predecessors. Even Benji, with his nettlesome demons, 
claims to have experienced real pain in life, question mark. After their taste of world historical tragedy, they really have a right to complain about anything. So um, a, a buddy comedy maybe, but also a character study. And I've heard lots of um, high praise for Kieran Culkin's performance in this film. Yes, so see if he sustains right through to the end of the year and has other awards noticed. But the, one of the notable things for me, and those of you who remember podcast one, uh, I was crazy about the Polish film EO, um, Michael Dymak, who is the cinematographer, also photographed this film. So You're kidding. That, no, it's true, wow. and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Him so, shooting a Jesse Eisenberg film, it's hilarious. I know, and Searchlight Pictures, I think, picked it up for $10 million, So, did. yeah, so yeah. that's uh, a good sign that we'll all get a chance to see that film. Now, Jim, did you see Jesse Eisenberg's debut? I did not see it. Okay. And I can't believe I'd missed it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a bit mixed on the film, but I was very much drawn to how he... Uh, likes prickly characters. Mm-hmm. So his his debut, When You Finish Saving the World, actually played at the um, 2022 Sundance Film Festival. Um, yeah, it, it, it has a very good Julianne Moore performance okay. as, um, I guess, kind of an overbearing mother. So, so still <laughs> worth seeing. Worth, worth seeing, yep, for her. Mm-hmm. And um, the young film, Finn Wolfhard in the lead is great okay. as well. Okay. Well, have to catch up with that. I'm, I'm, I do like his work. He has done some terrific work uh, in film. Uh, the Squid and the Whale is a film I love. The Social Network is like really high up on my list of favourite films. He's also working in theatre as well. He writes as a playwright, so he's quite a versatile artist. And I, I think he's still evolving as an artist. And I, I like it. I like Jesse. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Another film on my radar is I Saw the TV Glow, which is directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. It's, uh, uh, again, maybe ticking a few of my favourite boxes, but it's about an alienated teenager who finds comfort in a friendship with a a cool older girl and also a young adult sci-fi television show they both love. So it's, I suppose, like a friendship connecting with art. Um, The Hollywood Reporter says it's a knockout drama of adolescent angst, a film about the places we escape to when we don't feel at home in the real world. Uh, it's probably a little bit about what film lovers do. <laughs> <laughs> Although it sounds like their um, their interest in this television series is a bit more intense, perhaps. Perhaps, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, a film that's uh, also uh, played at Sundance that's kind of interesting to me is one called Sasquatch Sunset, uh, directed by David and Nathan Zellner. Um, this is Jesse Eisenberg in it. It's the Jesse Eisenberg Film Festival. Uh, Riley Keough also in it. Both under layers and layers of prosthetics, I believe. They're uh, playing Sasquatch. If, I think that's uh, another name for Bigfoot, uh, the, the mythical creature. And the whole film is told in grunting language of missing links and it follows a year in the life of a family of Sasquatch. I believe the opinion out of Sundance is really polarising. That doesn't surprise me at all, but, man, I want to see this. <laughs> Bleaker Street are, are distributing that one. Okay, yeah. In the yeah. States. Yeah. In the States, yeah, yeah. And the last one on my list, before I move over to Sean, because I know he has some comments to make too about the Sundance, uh, is a movie called A Different Man. This is also screening at, in competition at Berlin. So, um, so last year, Past Lives was the film that played at Sundance and then competed at Berlin. So it, se- it seems like they're, they're, pl- they're plucking one each year. Yeah. Um, this is written and directed by Aaron Schimberg, and it's, it's meant to, as The Hollywood Reporter states, it's an endearingly twisted tale on actors, playwrights, egos and the plight of the disfigured. It's um, an A24 comedy, centres on an aspiring actor with neurofibromatosis who finds a cure only to find 
uh, he wishes to go back to the life he had when his face was still um, just deformed. Um, Adam Pearson uh, plays, uh, he's the actor who genuinely has neurofibromatosis. He was in Under the Skin, you may recall him from that. I saw him in a film called Drib. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's in it with Renato Reinsvay, who's a, a favourite of both Sean and mine, uh, appearing in The Worst Person in the World a couple of years ago. And set to have a pretty prolific 2024 as well. Yeah, so um, I, I think the films I've just mentioned are the ones that I've plucked out of that, that Sundance list that kind of intrigue me. Do you have any others yeah, that well, you've noticed, Sean? Along the, the Renata Reinsvay lines, <laughs> she's in a feature from Norway called Handling the Undead. Um, this is a film uh, based on a novel by the writer of Let the Right One In, which is um, a really creepy film that I know we're both big fans of. Very big fan of that film, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this film centres on some paranormal happenings in Norway. Um, it seems there is something in the air, in the electromagnetic sphere, <laughs> that is, um, yeah, it, it is bringing people back to life from the dead. And uh, it sounds like a peculiar take on the zombie genre, something that has a bit more heart, uh, maybe no less body horror, but um, has some substance to it. So I'd be very interested to see this film. Um, although it's popping up in Sundance gives me a bit of pause because this seems uh, the sort of film that maybe um, could quite easily have shown up in Cannes on certain regard or even a Berlin competition. And I have noticed that the word on it is very mixed. It is, yeah. yeah. Which um, I was very excited about it and then a little bit deflated by reading some of the... The, the critical notices of the film, but I, I still see it. Yeah, and also it's um it's a reunion between the actors from the worst person in the world. Um, Anders Danielson Lee is also in the film, and uh, if you haven't haven't caught up with um that feature yet, uh, Renata won Best Actress Can Award for her work in the film. I believe it was in twenty twenty one. Yeah, wow, how time goes by. Yeah, a few years ago now. Um, he's also phenomenal in that film as well. So I'd be very interested to see, you know, their chemistry on screen nowadays. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's Sundance. Um, so hopefully um, through future podcasts we can comment on some of these films a little more once we've got to see them. But um, you now know what's on our wish list and hopefully they're now on your wish list as well. Um, we might move over to Berlin now um, and Sean's going to give us our Berlin report. A little Berlin wrap. Well... <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting competition this year at Berlin. Um, uh, a lot of filmmakers that we follow have new features, which is excellent, but there's uh, a lot of discoveries in the program as well. A few films uh, that seem to be more experimental um, than would usually be programmed in this category, which has me very excited for one. Um, there are new features from Olivia Assayas, Bruno Dumont, Matty Diop, among others. Um, there's stars in the mix. Rooney Mara has a film uh, which she is leading. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal is here as well. Uh, again, Renata Reinsve. She's very busy. Always uh, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Stan as well is in uh, A Different Man from Sundance. And uh, last but not least, Isabelle Huppert is back again um, starring in a new film as is uh, Killian Murphy. Oscar nominee. Oscar nominee. <laughs> and uh, potential Oscar winner. Yeah. 
More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> uh, the new feature he's starring in, an Irish film called Small Things Like These, will open this year's Berlinale. To mention um, a few more from the competition or to, to go a bit more in-depth on some of those, uh, Bruno Dumont's film is uh, a peculiar one. Um, it's an absurdist sci-fi film called The Empire. Um, looks absolutely bonkers. Uh, it has a pretty interesting cast as well, uh, including Lily Rose Depp, uh, the American actress. And the film The Empire that Sean's talking about, I've seen listed as a Star Wars parody in a fishing village. Yes. Now, if that's not a hook to see a film, what is? I'd, uh, I'd, I'd say um, check out the trailer. It's pretty bizarre. I think um, the visual style of the film will be really interesting as well because it's, it's, it's almost medieval sci-fi in appearance. So, yeah. It's been a few years coming as well, so I'd be very interested to to see how this film pans out. Yeah, um, DeMont is a really eclectic and, and oddball director. Yeah, you yeah. never know what to expect from him. You never know him. what's coming with him. Uh, the Hong Sang-soo film, A Traveller's Needs, with Huppert in the lead, um, was a real surprise. I didn't realise that they were working on a new feature together. Of course, um, the director and actor have had two films uh, together in the past. Um, Claire's Camera... Uh, which played at the Cannes Film Festival and actually was set at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and, of course, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the film now, but he has a great triptych starring Izzy in three roles. So <laughs> can't wait to see what they cook up together in this new one. But uh, Hong Sang-soo has um, a long history with the Berlinale. He's um, won awards three years in a row. Um, in 2020, he brought a woman, the woman who ran to the festival and won the Silver Bear for Best Director. The following year, his film Introduction won the Silver Bear for Best Screenplay, and then the following year, his feature, the novelist's film, took home the Silver Bear Grand Jury Prize. So it feels like he's building to win his Golden Bear. I mean, is it a trajectory? Yes, so <laughs> we're not really that shocked to see him here once again. I think we were more shocked um, when just last year he was at the festival but not in competition mm. for his film In Water, which um, is a, a feature that's shot entirely out of focus. But uh, he's back in focus with this film, so <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to see this one. Do you have any films from Bellinale that you'd like to spotlight? Yeah, I'd uh, like to talk about the French, uh, France-based African auteur... Now, here we go, Abderamane Sisako. I think that's a, 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 the pronunciation, but he has a romance drama called Black Tea, um, which is uh, his follow-up to his 2015 Oscar-nominated Timbuktu. And if you haven't seen Timbuktu, it's a really terrific film, highly recommended. Um, African cinema is, is something that still doesn't get very widely distributed, and I think if you get an opportunity to see these films, this is the story of a woman who leaves the Ivory Coast to start a new life in China, um, we both feel very, very much that this could be yeah, our winner. Um, I think this will take the Golden Bear. Yeah, we were watching the, um, the press conference where they announced the competition together. That's how invested we are in <laughs> Berlinale, for crazy, the record. Crazy we are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, feel very strongly about this feature. Yeah, so that's our hot tip. If uh, anyone knows any betting agency that uses the Berlinale as one of their, uh, their, uh, their betting 
objects, well, you may like to give it a shot. Can you even bet on the Bellinale? I feel like we're getting pretty niche here. That, that is as niche <laughs> as it gets. Um, one, one interesting thing is um, uh, out of the 20 films in competition, there are six directed by women, which uh, I don't think is an advance on last year, but it's still um, an improvement over many other competitive film festivals. So we are getting closer to hopefully a 50-50 split between male and female directors in competition, coming closer and closer. Yeah. Kristen Stewart um, uh, presided over last year's journey and she's back with a, a thriller with Rose Glass, Love Lies Bleeding. I think you're very keen on that one too, Sean. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in seeing this feature. Um, it's a thriller and uh, it follows her as a, recl- a reclusive gym employee who falls uh, head over heels for a bisexual bodybuilder. Wow. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> it also um, has a supporting performance by Ed Harris that, uh, as far as the, the trailer goes, it looks very unsettling. Yeah. Um, St. Maud was her previous film, and uh, that's a terrific horror film that um, really uh, snuck up on me. I, I, I thought it was outstanding, so can't wait to see what Rose Glass does with this new film. Um, Adam Egoyan is a film director I've, I've watched his, uh, for many, many years, uh, and he's got a, a new film. He's got Seven Veils. Um, so that could be interesting. And I also mentioned Sasquatch Sunset in my uh, Sundance lineup. It's also going to be in the Berlinale as well. The grunting Neanderthal film. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing wonders at selling this one, Jim. Yeah, it just intrigues me how they're going to pull that off. But anyway, well, only time will tell. It could be terrible. It could be good. Um, other films I'm interested in, I, I definitely am interested in the SIS film, Suspended Time. Order top. Um, it's a COVID set drama. It is. So finally, pandemic themed films will be starting to filter through, I guess. And purely because of the combination of Gail Garcia Bernal and Renata Reinsvay in a, in a drama called Another End, um, I'm there for that, just purely on the basis of those performers. Anything else to add on with regard to Berlin? Uh, as I said before, there's a lot of discoveries in the competition lineup. Um, there's perhaps less big name directors and auteurs than usual, but that has me more excited for the program, if nothing else. Um, I will briefly just touch on the Matty Diop film Dahomey, which is a uh, documentary fiction hybrid. Um, the film's also less than 80 minutes long as well, so I'm, I'm interested to see what she does with, I suppose, um, a mid-length film. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And she, of course, directed um, her debut, Atlantic, which played in competition at Cannes back in 2019 and uh, is actually globally on Netflix yeah, terrific film. I tried not to miss that. It's actually like a ghost story that's really quite haunting, yeah. Yeah, so very interested to see what she, she does um, with this. And you were mentioning about African cinema before. She's also uh, from Senegal, but France-based, so uh, I'd be very interested to see, yeah, this feature. Before she was a director, she was an actress. Yes. And she's in a film that we both love very much. Very dearly. Yeah, called 35 Shots of Rum, directed by Claire Denis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, again, watching these careers evolve is really, really exciting. And like, I, I agree with Sean, there's, there's filmmakers on this list that we don't know and could be the beginning of something spectacular. So I, I'm really looking forward to see what the outcome of the Berlin Film Festival is when it uh, occurs in February, later this month. Are there any here that you 
you have absolutely no clue on that you just have a good gut feeling about? Just having a look at the list. Um, this is a, an Iranian film here called My Favourite Cake that I just have such good feeling about. Yeah. It's from um, a directing duo that uh, did compete at Berlin a few years ago with a film called um, Ballad of a White Cow. Yep. And this film was, um, I believe it was smuggled out of Iran. Yes, as a, a lot of Iranian cinema seems to be smuggled out these days due to the, uh, the changes in the regime's feeling about art. and Yeah. No, I think that's pretty much everything. I think there is a... Uh, an, not something I really think I want to see, but it's Adam Sandler, Kerry Mulligan and Paul Dano, which is kind of an interesting cast. Um, they, they've got a world premiere film called Spaceman where... Adam Sandel plays an astronaut sent to the edge of the solar system to collect ancient dust. So, again, <laughs> well... Look, Adam Sandler had um, such an incredible, I guess, mid-career breakthrough with um, Uncut Gems, and I feel these features are kind of trying to recreate the kinetic energy yeah. of that film, and I, I don't know. I don't have high hopes for this feature, I seem to be in the minority about that, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid my Adam Sandler radar just, you know, extends me off. <laughs> I mean, just having seen so many Adam Sandler films, his comedies, his dramas, the good and the bad, mostly bad, I, yeah, I just, I don't know, I can't picture him going to space. Like, it, it's, yeah, I can't suspend my disbelief. Well, who knows? It could be the surprise of the year, but we'll, yeah. uh, we'll try, try, we'll try it's, to it's, be open-minded about it's, it. Look, it's kind of like when that uh, Dakota Johnson-led Jane Austen adaptation, Persuasion, came out on Netflix. Again, Netflix mm. a few years ago, and um, there was a great tweet going around where someone basically said they couldn't watch the film because uh, Dakota Johnson has a face that knows what an iPhone is. <laughs> I feel kind of the same about Adam Sandler. Oh, ouch. <laughs> So we'll report on our next podcast um, about the results of the Berlin Film Festival and the films where we, that, uh, that win, who we'll be anticipating to, to see at, at the later film festivals in Australia in the year. Um, time to move over to France to the César nominations, which uh, the 49th César Awards uh, are going to be held on the 23rd of February in Paris, uh, honouring the best French films of 2023. Um, the host of the ceremony this year is Valérie Le Mercier, which is so exciting for me because she is uh, a terrific actress. She was in the fabulous Coup, Coup de Chance uh, that was released late last year and giving a fantastic scene-stealing supporting performance. Um, and um, there are two honorary Césars being given out this year, so these have already been decided. Agnes Jaoui and Christopher Nolan are both getting honorary Césars. It is kind of funny that um, Nolan is here for an honorary award when he's also nominated in um, the Best International Feature Film category for Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real twist uh, to, when you look at the list of international films from the French perspective, which are the ones that are, of course, the ones that are prominent in the discussion around Oscars, etc. Gave me a good grin. It does give me a good grin. <laughs> we are going to work our way through um, some of the notable nominations. We have had the luxury of seeing some of these films and some we have actually even talked about in the, the previous podcast, so you can always go back and listen to that if you want to hear about some of those. But um, let's talk about 
through the number of nominations each film has received significantly, and um, we'll talk about the films. The the most nominated film with twelve nominations is The Animal Kingdom, and it's uh, direct. It's a uh, Nominated for film, director, actor. Romain Duras is in the lead there. Original screenplay and also the Promising Actor Award for Paul Kircher. It's a supernatural drama and um, Sean has had the luxury of being able to see this film so I can't wait to hear his thoughts on the Animal Kingdom most nominated film at the Cesars. Yes, well, um, yeah, I was a bit surprised that it's the most nominated film. I kind of assumed that would have been Anatomy of a Fall um, though they're, as is often the case with the Cesars and, to be honest, the Oscars too, um, the same films pop up in every bloody category. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I quite enjoyed The Animal Kingdom. It's um, Tonally, it's a bizarre movie. It, it sounds like it uh, shouldn't work, but it does for the most part. So the premise of the film is that it's set in a future not too distant from ours where there is a wave of mutations that are transforming humans into animals. And there's some incredible visual effects in this film, Um just some <laughs> bizarre-looking individuals. Um, yeah, it, it's in part uh, this tense thriller um, has body horror aspects to it as well, but the heart of the film um, is a family drama. It's about a father and a son who are searching for their mother who's gone missing, who is, um, at least at the start of the film, beginning has begun to mutate and... Um, as the film progresses, there are some interesting twists and turns, which I won't reveal. But, yeah, the film has a, a, has a great cast. Um, as you mentioned, Paul Kirscher is nominated for a Breakthrough Award. Um, I feel he should have been nominated last year in that category for the brilliant uh, Christophe Honneur drama, Winterboy. Um, which is on Stan, if you're an Australian listening to this. Is it really? Yes, it's on Stan, wow. yeah, Winter Boy. You yep. should uh, definitely check that out. It's a very moving drama. But uh, here he is um, in this category. Um, also in the film, Adele Exarchopoulos, the brilliant French actress. Podcast uh, favourite. <laughs> podcast favourite. And now uh, Romain Duras, who I felt may have been a bit miscast in the film, unfortunately, um, though in saying that... Um, yeah, I, f I think he's a phenomenal actor. Um, his film A Prophet is uh, a real favourite of mine. So, you know what? A favourite of mine showing up here, I, I'm not going to complain about. Um, we mentioned that uh, yeah, Paul Kirscher is up for the Breakthrough Award. He's um, competing in this category with none other than his brother, Samuel, who's nominated for his role in the film Last Summer, um, which is... Uh, an erotic thriller directed by notable auteur Catherine Brillat. Um, I saw this film at the Melbourne International Film Festival in August last year, and I love it. It is, um, yeah, a particularly wicked film. Uh, most likely to show up at the French Film Festival um, next month here in Australia. So if you've missed this, this film, definitely check it out. Um, and we also have a feeling that the Animal Kingdom will play the French do, Film yeah. Festival as well. So you may be able to catch up with some of these between now and when we next meet on the next podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, great great to see that. Um, well, I can't think of the last time there's been 
you know, a real family in competition. <laughs> Brother, brothers in competition. And another promising actor nominee is in the film that has the second most nominations, 11 nominations for Anatomy of a Fall. And promising actor nominee Milo Machado-Grana, who I think we did speak very highly of, playing the, the young uh, blind boy in Anatomy of a Fall. Um, Anatomy has been nominated in major, the major categories, film, director, screenplay... Magnificent Sandra Hula for actress, two supporting actor nominees, which actually really, really made me happy. There's Swan Our Lord and Antoine Reynats. Swan Our Lord plays the, uh, the 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 attorney, the, the lawyer who is assisting and the friend of Sandra Hula's character. But Antoine Reynats was a thrill for me that he got nominated because he plays. Um, uh, in in the courtroom scenes, he's the there's um, a prosecutor. The prosecutor, yeah, and he he's. Really, really brilliant and and quite um, repellent actually, but skillful in his job in in the context of the film. But great to see him nominated. So that's Anatomy Four with eleven nominations. We talked about this film really heavily in our first podcast. It's in cinemas now, so you should be you should have seen it if you've been listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say as well, just touching on that, that is such a great nomination because it is a truly supporting role. Yeah, you know, absolutely. quite often we'll see um, leads put in the supporting categories. Um, I will mention as well the film The Goldman Case um, screened at the Jewish International Film Festival in, As- in Australia, but it, it actually didn't play our city, so we haven't seen the film. But Atta Harari is nominated in Best Supporting Actor um, for his role in this film, and he is the writer of Anatomy of a Fall. So he would be pretty... Bloody happy, I'd think. There's there's a few people having really good Césars, actually. Um, he, he's one of them, and another one of those is someone I'm about to talk about whose name is Raphael Canard. Um, never heard of Raphael Canard until this year, and he's everywhere. He's been nominated three times at the Césars. He's been nominated uh, for Most Promising Actor, but also for Leading Actor, but he's also produced a documentary short, so he's nominated across three categories. Um, so out of nowhere comes this this really interesting person, <laughs> Raphael Gennard. But the film he's in that um, I, I have had the luxury of seeing is A Junkyard Dog. Um, that film's nominated for picture and supporting actor for a young actor, Anthony Bajon, who's fantastic. Supporting actress, Galatea Belugi. And as I just mentioned, Raphael Gennard. It's also up for screenplay and best first film. So this is... Um, currently screening on Mubi for those who subscribe to the, the movie platform. Um, and I watched this a couple of Friday nights ago and was thoroughly impressed uh, based on its Cesar nominations. It's um, The dog in the title Junkyard Dog is not a, a four-legged dog. It's actually uh, the name of uh, one of the two friends in this long-term friendship. Uh, Morales and Dog, as he is nicknamed, live in the south of France in a small village sort of place where um, there's not a lot to do except just hang out with your, your teenage friends in the town square. Um, the, the guys have this, as I said, a long-term friendship and Morales uh, teases the quiet dog. He's, he's a very, very quiet young man. He teases him mercilessly and it's a really discomfort, a, a, a discomforting sort of teasing that even the friends that they share are fine uncomfortable. Um, they're involved in petty crime because they feel there's nothing really to do, a bit of drug dealing, uh, and they actually get themselves into a bit of strife with the drug dealers. Um, but what happens in the film, which is kind of the turning point, is uh, a, a young girl called Elsa arrives and, and Dog finds himself in a, like a tentative romance with her. Um, so now that um, Dog has this distraction with this 
pending romance, Morales, his best friend, feels their friendship is now threatened. And you can see the jealousy starting to eat away at him. Um, the director uh, is, is the first feature for the director, Durand. It's, it's really assured, impressive. It's, it really captures beautifully the emptiness of these lives, but it, it never distrays into like bleakness and despair. I really, really like these three players. Thrilled they're all nominated for Cesar Awards. Beautifully drawn characters. They feel so real. And the overall mood of aimlessness is just really, really beautifully captured. I was really haunted by this movie. It's a coming-of-age story, which is something that was certainly the style of film I love. And it really touched me, and I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. So I may even go back and watch it again sometime. Wow. High um, praise. Yeah. Now, um, you, you watched that in a double. I did. I did. I did not realise watching two films that were nominated for Cesars, I was going to be watching a Raphael Canard Film Festival, okay? Because he's nominated, as I say, for Junkyard Dog, but he's also nominated for a film called Yannick, uh, where he's nominated for Best Actor. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, Yannick now. Um, in this film, uh, he, he plays a disgruntled audience member. The, the film is set in a, a small live theatre, um, in somewhere in France, it's not made clear. But his character, named Yannick, unexpectedly stops the performance of the play in the middle. Uh, he, he stands up, tells the audience they shouldn't put up with this terrible piece of theatre, <laughs> and then basically produces a gun and holds everybody in the theatre hostage, audience and performers. Um, this character, Yannick, this uh, invasive character, proclaims that he will sit on the stage and write something more deserving of the time of the audience and the performers. So he begins to form a bond with his audience members. Uh, tensions rise between those on the stage and those in the audience. Maybe there's an element of Stockholm Syndrome in here, not sure. Um, but Quentin Depew is the director. He's made a lot of really offbeat films, Rubber and Deerskin I've seen. You've seen a couple of his I have films. as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of his film Smoking Causes Coughing. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of like a, it's been dubbed as a superhero movie for idiots <laughs> well anyway this is his latest film anyway and he's again delivered something that's pretty crazy and um, I really like the way the film emphasises the power shifts between the artist and the spectator I think he might be having a really little bit of a dig at critics here um, maybe it's just the official critic but also the critic in all of us when we go to watch any type of art um, and, and Canard is just fantastic. He, it, it's a real breakthrough performance for this actor, and he, he couldn't be anything more different than his performance in Junkyard Dog. Really, really quite interesting, the diversity in those two performances. Now, Yannick runs for 67 minutes, so that's a very short running time, and for me that may have been the floor of the film. Um, there's great ideas going around here, but I just would have liked a bit more. I, I'd like them to be a bit more fully formed. But... I, I enjoyed it very much. It's bold, it's unique, and it's a little bit about how there's a dependency between those of us who create, who basically consume art, rather, and then those who create art and, and that kind of dynamic between those players. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend that as well. I think there were, were a few um, snubs of This Is Ours as well, though. Uh, most notably, the film The Taste of Things, which um, yes, won Best Director much. at Cannes last year. Um seems like catnip for this particular awards body. Um, it's a very well-reviewed film. Uh, hasn't opened here yet, unfortunately. Um, it will play the French Film Festival. For sure. For sure. I think they've yeah. even planned events around it with food, because it's a foodie movie. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, it's a film um, from a Vietnamese-born uh, French director, Tran An Hung. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of shocking that it has been omitted um, from most categories. Uh, it's turned up in best cinematography. Um, it and it's stars, got a great cast. Yes, yeah. it, it does. Mm. It stars Juliette Binoche and Benoit Magimel, who are actors very known. Yeah, in France and internationally, I would say. Um, Benoit won the Best Actor César two years in a row recently. Yeah, so, um, and I, I think um, we all know Juliette Binoche, what an extraordinary career she's had. So um, with her in, as, in a film as a chef, uh, I think it's something I definitely want to see. It was actually the French submission for the Academy Awards over Anatomy of a Fall, and then it didn't get nominated at the Oscars yeah. after all of that. So it's kind of curious. But also the Cesars haven't really nominated it heavily at all. If it's a bit, 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 bit unfortunate yeah. What's, yeah. what's happened with this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another film that's uh, in the Cesar lineup. just want to mention, I did talk about this uh, in the previous podcast. It's a documentary called On the Adamant. Yeah. And that's up for best documentary. And uh, so if you want to find out a bit more about that, you can refer back to our previous podcast. Um, we're moving into the best international or best foreign film, whatever they like to call it, the Césars, and there's a couple of films here. Um, best non-French language film. Best, best non-France film. Best non-France film, there we go. And one of these is a film Sean has seen, which is um, it's called Kidnapped. I think it's Italian, is that correct, Sean? It is Italian. Yeah. Um, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this feature, unfortunately. Um, it's from quite a notable Italian director, uh, Marco Belluccio. Uh, it premiered, played in competition at the Cannes Film Festival last year. Um, I saw it uh, in Melbourne. Uh, look, it's a, it's a period biopic, and I think it kind of does a bit of a disservice to its subject matter. It's uh, a pretty dark film about... Um, the abduction of um, boys by the Catholic, the Catholic Church, and it, I don't know. The film the film spans decades and sort of begins with a kidnapping and ends with a war. And for me, it uh, wasn't particularly focused. I, I just found it to be a bit a bit dry. And I do really like historical dramas, and I went into this. Um, you know, with, a, with an open mind and an open heart and unfortunately it just didn't work for me. Um, but but o- other films nominated in the best foreign film category that obviously are better than Kidnapped, <laughs> in, in our <laughs> mind anyway, um, Fallen Leaves is up for best foreign language film, which is wonderful. Um, Oppenheimer in the best foreign film. Perfect Days, the Vim Vendors film. These are films we've, we've talked about in the previous podcast. But uh, there's one film that's notably in the best foreign film lineup that we were both taken by surprise and excited about, and it's a, it's a Canadian film called The Nature of Love. And we, we saw this film last um, August when we were in Melbourne, and um, I'm, I'm great, really glad to be reminded that this film is, is in contention. Um, so just talking a little bit about The Nature of Love, it's about um, a woman named Sophia who's a 40-year-old philosophy professor. Um, she's been in a, 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 a stable, long-term relationship with uh, her husband Xavier and they're always at gallery openings and dinner parties and and maybe their life's just getting a little stale and a bit routine um, and um, she has some renovation work done on one of their properties and she meets uh, a gentleman called Sylvain 
Um, and it's an instant kind of sexual attraction between them. And her world's kind of turned upside down because it lights up this passion in her that she hasn't experienced for a long time. It's like a case of opposites attract um, in, in this story. Um, but there's, you know, the, the whole world separates these two new lovers. Uh, she's from the wealthy intellectual background of Montreal and he's from uh, a, a family of manual workers. Um, so she has to question her own values and aspirations and about having maybe abandoned herself to this great impulse to start this affair with him. Um, I label this an anti-rom-com <laughs> <laughs> because you kind of don't want them to be together, the opposite of like a rom-com, and they're not really right for each other, but it investigates love and lust and desire. It's really funny and insightful. Um, the lead performances, uh, the actress is Magali Lepine Blondeau, and the, uh, the lover is played by Pierre-Yves Cardinal, who was actually at the screening we saw it in August and was very charming and great to talk to. Um, it's a really sexy, fun movie. It's, it's a rare to have this sort of um, sexiness in modern films. It's, a lot of people talk about the holdovers having this 1960s, 70s aesthetic. This film also does that with lots of zooms, dissolves, and, and like 1970s-style credit sequences at the beginning. That is um, a great comparison. Yeah, um, so it may have done this first before the holdovers. <laughs> um, and it has, I, I'm not going to reveal it, folks, because I hope you get a chance to see this. Again, I'm hoping it may screen at the French Film Festival. Um, but um, it's a really beautifully judged ending, which I think is just nothing short of perfect. In, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's fluffy and fun, It's, uh, but it has solid themes. But I I think we both had a really good time with it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was blown away by this film. Um, I went in not having seen uh, her debut Babysitter, which which is on movie, um, so I wasn't sure what to expect, but this is a film that evokes uh, so much flavour and sensation. It, it is such a, a well-textured film. Um, like you said, all of those uh, 70s um, references and styling was just Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, that was a really memorable night at the cinema. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, great. It was going in, seeing something you know nothing about and then being pleasantly surprised. So I hope you all get a chance to see that film on a big screen somewhere. Well, that's the Cesars. Yeah, now it's time for the elephant in the room, which is the Oscars. Okay, the Oscars are coming up very, very soon and uh, we're going to move our way through the categories. Maybe not all of the categories, but most of the categories and we're going to give our our very humble opinion. Now, those of you who enter Oscar pools, you may like to listen very carefully to our selections and you can either believe them or not. Um, but be certainly, if you win in your Oscar pool, we would like, we would like to have a cut of whatever you win. Some, some <laughs> share, please. Um, so we might start from the bottom and just the, the, the short film sections, there's the live action short, the documentary short, animated short. Haven't seen any of those films. But I'm just going to say, is this the time that Wes Anderson wins his Oscar? Uh, nominated for the live-action short film for Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Is this his chance to finally win an Oscar? Well, well I think his biggest opponent uh, was Pedro Almodova uh, for Strange Way of Life, who wasn't even nominated in the category, rightfully, I feel. Yeah, I feel rightfully too, yeah. So perhaps it will be Wes Anderson's time to shine. Um, I'd be much happier... Well, I haven't seen Henry Sugar, but I'd be much happier with this winning him an Oscar than Asteroid City. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You refer to podcast one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with regard to the live-action short, documentary short and animated short, these are often the 
categories that win you an Oscar pool. Uh, so you're just going to have to get the old pin out and have a go because last year I was very determined to watch all of the nominees in these categories and, of course, everything I loved didn't win. So um, this is a real random choice. So that's always your... the way with the Oscars. It is always the way. So uh, we, we might go category by category. Um, I was wondering if Sean might like to kick us off with makeup and hairstyling and the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this is a pretty interesting category. So the nominees are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things and Society of the Snow. Uh, Golda is interesting to see here. Um, it is a biopic about um, the Israeli president and... Uh, when they were announcing the nominees, it was a bit unfortunate going from Golda to Maestro because both of these films had controversy with their casting and their, their, their makeup, in fact, um, for yeah, the prosthetic noses that these non-Jewish actors are wearing playing Jewish characters. So seeing them, you know, one after the other at the start of the nominees, I thought, oh, this can't be good. <laughs> um, Who do you think will win that, uh, Sean? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think honestly, it might be Maestro. Yeah, I agree. I think it will. And I'll pro to be totally honest, I've had very mixed feelings about Maestro, but I think it probably should win this award. I think um, the the, yeah. uh, the transformation to Leonard Bernstein is is pretty gobsmacking in I'm, that film. I'm yet to see uh, uh, Society of the Snow, um, but I've heard that the makeup work in that film is brilliant as well. Um, it concerns uh, the true story of a uh, plane crash and. Um, how the survivors had to survive in the wilderness. So uh, I'm sure that would have been a very um, showy opportunity for a makeup department to really, you know, dig their teeth into it, do you the material. Do you think uh, there's a notable omission that the Oscars should have flipped in there? Oh, oh gosh, <laughs> putting me on the spot. Um, while, look, you're, while you're thinking, I can say that I think Killers of the Flower Moon should have been in there because I, I, I think that's maybe more subtle. It's not as showy as Golder or Maestro, perhaps, but yeah. I think it should have been in there. It would have been a good nomination. It would have been a good um, nomination. There's no way the Oscars would have touched this film with a 10-foot pole, but I would have loved to have seen the film Sick of Myself oh, yes. show up here for um, the transformation of this um, beautiful woman into, uh, I guess, kind of a self-mutilating... Um, Disfigured supermodel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you say, they would not have touched that with uh, a 10-foot pole, but yes, I agree. That should have been nominated, yeah. Um, I might move on to production design next. Um, the nominees for production design are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer and Poor Things. Um, I think uh, Barbie will win this, and I think it probably should win this. Um, I agree. The, the production design in that film is, is, is so colourful and eye-popping. Um, again, my um, mission is zone of interest, which uh, <laughs> will be what I think undeservedly was snubbed in lots of categories. But I think it's a much more subtle thing. But I think the production design is everything in zone of interest. It's 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 such a commanding part of the film. I agree with you. But of the of the nominees as well, look, I think the work in Killers of the Flower Moon was it, it incredible. The way they were able to um, to craft the the, the time periods. Uh, you know, in a, a rural environment. I don't know. I every frame of that film really breathed the period. Yep. Yep. That, uh, I would agree with that completely. Yep. Uh, do you want to do sound? I would love to do sound. Yep. Um, 
The nominees are The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, uh, although in renaming the film they've dropped the Part 1, so I think that says a lot. Uh, Oppenheimer and The Zone of Interest, which would be my choice to win. Um, I don't think it will. I think that'll be Oppenheimer. Yeah, that, that's exactly my feeling. Oppenheimer's going to win this easily. Uh, Zone of Interest has the most revolutionary of sound but will be ignored. Look, to be honest, the fact that it has been nominated in this category is really, you know, gave me some faith in the Academy. And do you think there's a film that should have been in there? I, I do. What do you think should have been? I think The there? Killer should have been in there, the oh. David Fincher film. I really... I think so too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the use of sound in that film was, was gripping. I actually thought it was going to be nominated, so I was a bit let down when um, the, maybe the creator got in instead. Um, I think the Sydney Sweeney film Reality... Would have been a great nominee in this category as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, move on to film editing. Um, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer and Poor Things are nominated here. Um, again, I, I, I look, Oppenheimer's going to win a lot of awards this year as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it will win film editing. My preference, who I think should win film editing, is Anatomy of a Fall. Um, there are some particular uses of editing in the courtroom sequences which just astonished me with their skill um but for a film that should have been in the film editing list i think past lives should have been in there because there are some edits in that film that um i, I will never ever forget especially no. some towards the end of the film but uh yeah it's going to be oppenheimer that will win this yeah I, I agree on you know all of those fronts i think anatomy of a fall is is the um the best edited of the films contending here. Uh, I love that The Holdovers got this nomination as well um, because the editing in that film isn't as showy. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see them appreciate a film that has a bit more subtlety on this front. We um, have a running joke between us that, you know, when it comes to Oscars, it's not best editing, it's most editing. <laughs> That's usually what gets recognised. Yeah. I think The Zone of Interest, again, should have popped up here that film yeah. um yeah. has some yeah breathtaking editing it opens in australian cinemas uh next month or actually no it opens uh later this month so please yeah check check that one out when it pops up would you like to do costume design sean yes absolutely we have uh barbie killers of the flower moon napoleon oppenheimer poor things look i am a I fail to get excited by this lineup. <laughs> yeah. I feel I'm probably in the minority because these films are, are also beloved. Um, I think Poor Things should win it from from these nominees. I'm I'm not too sure who will. Um, maybe maybe Poor Things, maybe Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I can't quite wrap my head around why Barbie is here. Um, I suppose there are a lot of pink dresses. Um, I, I actually think that Barbie will win it. I think they're going to really? give Barbie those those awards in the technicals um, rather than at the top. But, um, yeah, I, I just think they're going to get caught up in the whole Barbie thing and want to reward it there in costume design. Look, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe <laughs> working in a cinema during Barbenheimer <laughs> has traumatised me for life. But, yeah, if I have to see the colour pink again, I'm just... <laughs> in terms of on the screen and also in the audience? Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. Um, I think an omission there, um, having just seen the film last week and it's probably ridiculously short run in cinemas, is The Colour Purple. And I think uh, the costume design of that film was really excellent because it was... 
uh, different types of costuming in in, uh, in in fantasy sequences versus gritty reality in poverty sequences. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it would have been something they may have been drawn to, but um, the colour purple doesn't seem to have hit a nerve with the uh, the Oscar voters in this particular season. It's quite bizarre that it's not here as well because being a musical, mm. it's the sort of film that they should embrace in this category. Mm. Yeah. Um, Cinematography is next. Um, I might do that one. Cinematography um, nominees are El Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer and Poor Things. Um, I think Oppenheimer will win cinematography. I think Killers of the Flower Moon should win. Um, I think it's a stunning looking film and... Uh, but what I thought was an omission was the, the zone of interest, um, which is revolutionary cinematography. From Again, not showy, but it's, it, it creates a very disturbing atmosphere in terms of the way the camera always holds back, like surveillance footage in that film. Um, so it's not showy, but I think it's extraordinarily effective. Um, but, yeah, I think Oppenheimer's got this in the bag. I, th- I think so too. I agree. Um, I think the cinematography in Poor Things is um, excellent. It I'm is. very yeah. happy that it has a nomination here. Um, again, yeah, I th- look, I think El Conde is also an interesting nomination. It's a black and white um, film from the director Pablo Lorraine. I wasn't expecting it to pop up here, but I know you were, Jim, so yeah, yeah. props to you. Maybe um, our listeners should... Uh, I just know the Oscars are suckers <laughs> for a black and white film. Yeah. should go with you on that one. Look, I none of my favourite shot films of the year have popped up here Um so yeah, but but it's the Oscars. Isn't it's the it? Oscars. Um, I um, might move you towards documentary feature, which I think you've seen a couple of them. Have you? You know what? Confession. I haven't actually seen any of these films. Oh wow! Wow! I didn't realize. Maybe I should take over then. For this you one. go for documentary because um, I, I know I know you I've have seen some one great insight. I've seen one of them. Twenty Days in Mariupol. Uh, Bobby Wine, the People's President, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, and To Kill a Tiger. Um, well, I'm going to say 20 Days in Mariupol will win, and I think it probably should win. It's an absolutely harrowing and essential documentary. Not an easy watch, but it's it's about um, the opening 20 days of the conflict uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, yeah, remarkable film and really tough, but uh, an important historical document, I believe. That's how it will be viewed. Of, of the films that were nominated there, I have not seen the others. Planning to see Four Daughters soon. Very much getting, looking forward to Four Daughters. getting a cinema release in Brisbane shortly. Um, but Beyond Utopia is the omission that I was really surprised. I thought that film would be in there for sure, and it's an excellent film. Yeah. So disappointed to see that missing out. I was also very saddened by its um, omission. I loved that film as well. It's a, a documentary about um, North Korean defectors and um, the perilous journey... Uh, through the Asian continent to get to safety. Yeah. You know, when you think about uh, about leaving North Korea, you know, it's not as easy as crossing the DMZ into South Korea. You can't do that. It's really uh, around the world in 80 days. Yeah, which was such an education for me because I just thought they found a way across the border, you know, but not having to traverse through these communist countries. And, yeah. you know, it's just extraordinary. I think it's among the best films of the year, to be honest. And uh, I'm not sure where you can watch it at the moment. It had a, a very limited theatrical release in Australia. It's I'd the say sort of film that would appear up on Doc Play. That's maybe? what I was going to yeah. say. Doc Play. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Can I divert the next category to Sean? Because this is one a category I, I think has absolutely zero interest for me and is a, a category I really wish they'd drop, actually, at the Oscars. Is it it's an original song, yeah. <laughs> have, I, have I been cruel asking you to cover this one? Uh, I just don't care, yeah. really. They Because firstly, they don't nominate good music. Mm. They just nominate, you know, whatever Diane Warren's done and <laughs> a song from each of the best picture contenders. For God's sake, give her an Oscar and... Get her out of the picture. <laughs> I think they really need to revamp this category. Yeah. yeah, it's um a bit shocking. Look, they have a song from the documentary American Symphony, which was snubbed in the documentary feature film category itself. So interesting, it's popped up here. Uh, I'm just Ken from Barbie, which I think is like a dreadful song. <laughs> what was I made for from Barbie, which... Um, Song by Billie Eilish. Um, this song uh, will most likely win. Um, I think it actually has it in the bag. And uh, of the the nominees, I think it, it may as well. Um, though a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon, I think, is the sole nomination here. That um, yeah, actually made me very happy. Um, it's a great, it's a great song. Not the fire inside from Flame and Hot. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's let's quickly just move on from best song and move to score. Score, which I think for a lot of people was a very disappointing lineup uh, this year. Um, a couple of surprises. Um, the original score nominees are American Fiction, Indiana Jones, and The Dial of Destiny, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, they're going to give it to Ludwig Göransson for. Oppenheimer for sure. They definitely will. Um, I would prefer them to give it to Robbie Robertson for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, but the really big no- notable omission for me after seeing um, the Japanese animated film Boy and the Heron was oh. that score was gorgeous and it, I really honestly thought it would be in the mix. So that's my should have been in there. I think um, Michael Levi's score for The Zone of Interest should have been nominated. Yeah. I think it's... Um, yeah, a, a brilliant film score. I will say, of these nominees, though, my favourite is American Fiction. Mm-hmm. I think that film has an incredible score. Um, you know, the the lead actor in that film, Jeffrey Wright, his character is nicknamed Monk, like Thelonious Monk, and the score reminds me of his music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I would... Very I remember much that score not getting in the way of the film too. Yeah, no, yeah, it was yeah. um a very it's a very jazzy score. It's freewheeling. It's sort of. Is breezy, yeah. It's a great film score, and I was very shocked that it um, popped up here. Pleasantly surprised. Now, after the uh, horrors of best song, uh, how do I feel about offering you visual effects, Sean? <laughs> uh, uh, um, I was very happy to see Godzilla minus one yes. pop up in here, um, alongside it, the creator, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Um, Sands Part 1 Napoleon So it sounds like you're wanting Godzilla to win? I think so I think the visual effects in that film um, were brilliant Uh, It had quite a small budget as well So, uh, I mean, in terms of the scope of it being a Godzilla movie I think it's going to win, you know I really think it's going to pull a surprise and, and win Godzilla minus one 
I've got no clue yeah. who I would say would, would That's just this. personal bias, possibly, yeah. from my part. But, um, you know, all the love for Oppenheimer, interestingly enough, and it, it get, didn't get nominated visual effects. It wasn't even in the, the long list. No. You know? So, no. yeah, that's a, that's a head-scratcher. Do you think it was um, because the visual effects in that film are uh, more practical and they are yeah. less showy? Yeah, I think so. Yet they're, they're astonishing, you know, and it just surprises me. Uh, but anyway, who, who can figure where that branch of the Academy go? Yeah. Um, I suppose we're moving into some pretty big uh, categories now, so now have the real meaty stuff that we really want to get our teeth into. Uh, original screenplay. Um, uh, we've got Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, in its only nomination, and Past Lives. And um, I think The Holdovers will win this. I, okay. I think it's a film that's really loved and beloved by... I don't think I know a single person who doesn't love The Holdovers. You know what? I think Anatomy of a Fall is going to take it. Wow. I hope you're right because I think that's who I think should win. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just don't have faith, but um, well, you I'd see, love to be surprised. It yeah. won the Golden Globe for original screenplay and um, Justine Trier was nominated for Best Director over um, Alexander Payne for The Holdovers, so I think there's um, a lot of support in the Academy for this film. Yep. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. This will be a nail-biter. Yeah, and Sean, I hope you're right. I really do. But if, but if I was in the Academy, I would have not nominated Maestro for original screenplay. I would have uh, in, inserted Fallen Leaves, <laughs> Aki Kurismaki's <laughs> film into there. A bit of hope dicting's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've done an original screenplay. I might so let Sean do Adapted. Before yeah. Adapted, we have American Fiction, Barbie... Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Now, this is really interesting because where is Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah, should have been in. Yeah, I think so. Especially because um, that was a pretty daring adaptation, you know, changing the perspective yep. of the novel. Also, ad adapting it into such a long feature while, um, you know... And retaining. taking some bold narrative risks, like those of you who have seen Killers of the Flower Moon will certainly remember the last scene in the film and what a bold swing that takes. Yeah, definitely. Um, who do I think should win? I think, I think the Zone of Interest. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> we're so predictable, Sean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. but we're but we're right. <laughs> we are right. I think it will be Oppenheimer, though. Yeah. Yeah. Animated um, feature, um, their nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think this is really line ball who they're going to give it to, but I do think they will go for the American film and go to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, the Boy and the Heron would be a nice win. Um, I can't, haven't seen enough animated features this year to know what has been snubbed or should have been in here. Um, I have not seen... I've only seen one of these films. Um, do you, Where do you sit? Do you think it's going to go Spider-Man or Heron? <sighs> I go back and forth. Yeah, me too. I honestly think The Boy and the Heron... Um, that would be nice. But both films have a lot of support and a lot of love. Um, yeah. I, I will say, I think Robot Dreams is was a very surprising nomination. Um a French film, isn't yeah, it? It's a, yeah, it's a French film. Um, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe there's no dialogue in the film. It's all visual. Okay. So I think that's a, a great nomination, and that film opens in Australian theatres in a few months. Now, our next category is probably the one that Sean and I are most heavily invested in for the evening. <laughs> the whole reason we will be watching the Oscars together is for this one category, and that is international feature. So uh, let's have a look at the nominee, Sean. Okay. So we have... Uh, 
Ira Capitano from Italy, Perfect Days, Japan, Society of the Snow, Spain, The Teacher's Lounge, Germany, and The Zone of Interest from the UK. Um, I suppose they could have gone any which way in putting together these nominees. I think there were some other great options, uh, like the Mexican submission Totem. Yes. Um, that would have been great had it popped up here. Um, I think of these nominees, I think it'll go to the zone of interest, which I also believe should win it. Yep. Uh, I will say the Teacher's Lounge is an excellent nomination. I am just thrilled to that, see that it here. That was a fantastic inclusion. Yeah. I've been championing this film, like, this whole past year, so, yeah, very happy about that. Really surprised that Fallen Leaves didn't make it. From Finland. From Finland, yeah, and Taste of Things as well, since, you know, the, the French film, but we, we talked about how that was also uh, snubbed. I hate that word, snubbed. I shouldn't say that. Not included in the, uh, the lineup at the Cesars. Um, now we're moving on to director, okay, one of the big prizes. We've got Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest, Yorgo Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon and Justine Trier for Anamiville Fall. Um, Nolan will win. They are absolutely champing at the bit to give Christopher Nolan an Academy Award and this is their opportunity. Um, but Jonathan Glazer is the man who should be standing on the stage with that prize. Um, so, uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good lineup actually. Um, Celine Song, I think, is such a shame. There was such a kerfuffle about um, Greta Gerwig not, Greta being Gerwig not being nominated, and they were carrying on about the, the sexism of that. But you know, the, you could also say the same about Celine Song, whose debut feature, Past Lives, to me, was a better film and really, really was a deserving Best Director nomination. Um, do you feel the same way as me about Glazer should win that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think he, yeah. I mean, solely just for the fact that his film is the biggest directorial achievement of the year, you know. I mean, people are saying the same thing about Oppenheimer, but, you know, They've both died. films uh, have different ways of approaching, you know, atrocities in our history, and I think um, Glazer's film uh, is just, yeah, it's it's something I've never seen before, so... So, um, supporting actress, Sean? Yeah. yeah. We have Emily Blunt uh, for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks, The Colour Purple, America Ferreira, Barbie, Jodie Foster, Nyad, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. And I think she, Divine Joy Randolph, is going to win this. It's I, a lock. <laughs> I think she should. That's the safest bet uh, you can make in our predictions today, folks. She's going to win that. She's won every precursor. Um, I think, controversially... Daniel Brooks should win this. Oh, okay. She is an absolute scene stealer in The Colour Purple and also sings her heart out. Um, she's fantastic. Um, now, the biggest notable omission, will we say it together, Sean? Sandra Hula. <laughs> Sandra Hula. <laughs> yeah. Zone of Interest, Sandra Hula should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Um, whether she should have been there instead of America Ferreira or Jodie Foster is up for contention, but... Uh, very much missed seeing Sandra there. I would have um, loved to have seen Adele X Archopolis here for Passages. Yeah. Um, that was never going to happen. No. In our dreams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, supporting actor, we have Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction. Uh, Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling, Barbie. Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. Uh... Pff- 
I think Robert Downey Jr. has it in the bag. In the bag. Um, I think the other Robert De Niro should have should be winning. We're agreeing again. Oh, We're agreeing look at us again. go. Yeah. Um, I will say as well, though, Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. What a great nomination. That, that, that was a very happy nomination yeah. for me, yeah. I was a bit surprised he got in. Mm. Uh, pleasantly surprised, of course. Do you think someone should have been in there? Mm. I think so. I think Milo Machado Grania for Anatomy of a oh, Fall great. would have been an excellent nomination. That would have been terrific. Um, look, you could, have, you could have switched out half the category and I would have been... Pretty happy. Yeah. Um, Charles Melton, May, December was a notable, notable admission. Yeah. Uh, I think, though, many consider him to be the lead. I think um, Teo Yu for Past Lives would have been uh, excellent uh, in this category as well. And I'm going to get on my Past Lives hobby horse again and say, John Magaro, where are you? Mm-hmm. Because it's just such beautiful subtle acting that um, will never be nominated for an Oscar, but yeah. should be. Yeah. yeah. Actress. Here well, we go. Annette Benning. I remember the, the actual surprise and the sound of the audience as those nominations are read and they said Annette Benning's name for Nyad. Uh, Lily Gladstone, A Killers of the Flower Moon, which I think Sean was about to talk about as category fraud. Sandra Hula, Anatomy of a Fall. Kerry Mulligan for Maestro and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I, I, um, I love Emma Stone and Poor Things, but I think... Lily Gladstone is going to win this. I think they will use this as a moment to make a statement, but she will be the first Indigenous person to win uh, an Academy Award. And and I'm not going to be upset about it either because no. I think she's really fantastic in Killers of the Flower she, She's phenomenal, phenomenal in the film. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I think her role really is a supporting role, but, you know, despite her screen time... Her presence is all through the film. Indeed. It's sort of, yeah, you can feel it. It's almost omnipotent as you watch. Yeah, I think I think she gives a phenomenal performance and I'm so glad to see her getting the sort of recognition. So I would be very happy if she won. Look, my personal choice would be Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall. Indeed. Um, that is the performance, I don't know, of the decade for me so far. It is, and uh, it's lovely to see her there, and it'll be great to see her there in Oscar night. But um, it, yeah, it'll it'll hurt to see her not win. Um, Greta Lee is the one I would love to have seen uh, nominated from Past Lives. Um, again, yeah. maybe again too subtle. Who knows? I would have loved to have seen Jessica Chastain here for Memory, yeah, Michelle Franco seen. film. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's a phenomenal performance. Um, should be my number two. What about actor? Actor. We have Bradley Cooper in Maestro, Coleman Domingo, Rustin, Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers, Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer, Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Rustin. Oh, boy. What a fake movie. <laughs> it's just so... Uh. Is Coleman Domingo good in the film, though? He is. Yeah, he but the is. film is just on the nose. Yeah, I felt he was slipping in and out of an accent a bit um, through it, but he, he does give a good performance, and, you know, I'm not disappointed to see him here. Um, I think he this makes him the second-ever openly gay actor playing uh, a gay role on screen in this category. So for that feat alone, it's, it's great to have him here, though I think that 
you know, he could have been switched out for Andrew Scott and we would have had... Well, the, I was just about to say stat. Andrew Scott is the... that They could say the same thing and yep. I think he should have been in Andrew Scott. Yep. Yes, yeah, for all of us strangers. Um, Who's winning? Who's winning? Oh, God. Look, it's between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti and I think it's... Yeah, it's Killian Murphy here. Oh, see, I think it's going to be Paul Giamatti. I think they will be making up for past sins and give it to Paul Giamatti. Um, that would be brilliant. But, yeah, it could easily be Killian Murphy in an Oppenheimer landslide, which could happen. I think also he he, he won't win, but I think uh, if Jeffrey Wright were to, I'd be very happy. Yep. Yeah. And now the big one. Best the big picture, one. the last one. So I hope you've been writing all the little tips down here, folks, for your Oscar calls. But our Best Picture nominees are American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Thrilled to see The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall in this lineup. Two foreign language films, exciting. Yes, yeah, it's, it feels like um, an actually diverse Best Picture lineup yeah. for a change. Also, um, Past Lives in here as well, even though it's an American production, there's um, uh, pretty much more but, Korean than American yeah, in the film. Yeah, about 50%, I'd mm -hmm. say, of the film in Korean, yeah. And, uh, yeah, American Fiction, another excellent nomination. Yeah. yeah. So, um, But we, I think we've decided who's going to win this. It's going to be Oppenheimer. I was going to say it's going to be the zone of interest, clearly. <laughs> in well, my dreams, perhaps. Yeah, Sean, I think we might have to have a chat about this later <laughs> because you're going to be very disappointed on Oscar yeah. night because the zone of interest should be the winner. It is the best film in that lineup, but Oppenheimer will win. But were any of those uh, films kind of could be shoved out and insert another? I, I have one I'd like to throw in what there. What would you throw in? I would throw in Priscilla. You would put in Priscilla? I would put Priscilla in there, yeah. What would you take out? Um, I would take out Maestro. Yeah. So one biopic for another. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, any of those that you could, any film that you think you would like to have seen in there? Well, plenty, but um, I wouldn't have much crossover between my personal top ten and, and this list. But, yeah, Luckeye Mira hasn't even opened in the States. It's not showing up. Um, Fallen Leaves, I would have liked to have seen yeah, that, 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 that appear. That, that might have happened, you never know. Yeah. yeah. Would, have been in, would it have been in the top 20? Yeah, well, see, it's not being nominated in international film makes me think maybe there wasn't the love there that I, I, I thought there would be. But, um, yeah. Well, anyway, whatever happens, folks, the Oscars will be broadcast in Australia on March 11th. That's USA time, March 10th. Um, I think Channel 7 are showing it here in Australia. Or just check your local cinema might be screening it as well, wherever you live. Uh, always fun watching the Oscars on a big screen too. With a big crowd. Yeah, and, um, you know, people cheering or... Complaining, it's fun. That, that's what it's all about. So good luck with uh, your Oscar pool this year and I hope you found our insight into the, the Oscar nominations. As you can see, we are definitely not thinking on the same way they, they vote on, but um, it's fun anyway. Always fun to have a whinge about the Academy Awards. The nature of the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, when we next return and grace your favourite podcast platform, we'll be discussing the winners of the Academy Awards. Uh, we'll also discuss the jury prizes uh, Berlin. I'm sure we'll have some uh, interesting films on our radar to discuss then. All the Cesar winners too. We'll talk about we those. Will. Yeah, we will. 
And um, we'd like to propose uh, a new concept for the show. Uh, we'd like to begin reviewing previous years. So if there's a year where you'd like us to dissect, um, please flick us through an email uh, to incompetitionfilm at gmail.com. We'd love yeah. to have your insight. Yeah, we'd love you to nominate a year. So you just want to just drop us a line and just say, I'd like you to talk about the prize-winning films of 2002 or 2009 or something like that. We probably would like you to kind of keep it to this century because, I mean, gosh, we could go back 100 years of cinema, couldn't we? So we want to keep it contained. But uh, please just drop us a line at incompetitionfilm at gmail.com and, and suggest a year for us and then Sean and I can start doing our homework between now and next month and when we meet with you again and we'll have uh, able to review uh, the winners of the various um, competitive festivals and award ceremonies for the year that you nominate. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast as well so that'll be worth everything to hear your name on the In Competition Film Podcast. <laughs> um, that's us for today. Um, thanks Sean. Thank you, Jim. And um, we look forward to speaking with you next month. Happy film going, everybody.